This is The Recap, a weekly reflection of the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Nathan Mabry. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Thanks for thanks for the word on, on Sunday morning. Uh, new, new guest uh, this week, but... Also here for some insight and color commentary is our senior pastor, Brent Wilson. What's going on, guys? It's a trio this week. Man. I mean, something holy about a trinity. <laughs> something. Let's not overstep our <laughs> All right. Well, Thanks for being here, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're excited. Um, so not to, not to banter too much, let's just, let's just dive right in. Uh, uh, let, someone said uh, today, can we try to keep the episode shorter than the sermon, which was only... 30 minutes, right at 30 minutes. So we, we will do our best. Uh, Nathan, but you had uh, some things that you you came prepared to talk about. So wh- why don't you fill our listeners in? And No, I guess I should apologize for uh, the sermon length. I don't want to set a precedent. I don't think anyone was mad. <laughs> yeah, like like the people that want a longer sermon are in the room right now. And then I think everyone else prefers shorter sermons. like, this is so. great. The, the problem is just me next week. They're going to be like, man, Nathan spoiled it. <laughs> No, uh, I mean, I, what I really wanted to do yesterday was uh, connect that philosophical question that Jesus presents. You know, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or take up your bed and walk, and really connect that with James' presentation of faith and works. This whole tangible and intangible, and how, uh, where I didn't go deeper on, it's all about lip service, so how it is so easy for us to say things saying things, talk is cheap Hmm. and easy. Uh, Doing, showing up, being there for someone is important. And if I had prepared better, perhaps, I would have had a whole bunch of which is easier statements Mm -hmm. where one of those would have been uh, about lip service and one of those would have been about doing something. Yeah. As an illustration, today, this afternoon, in fact, uh, I became aware of a basketball team, a young men's basketball team that uh, was playing in a tournament and uh, had a personal connection towards one of the teams that ended up losing in the very, in overtime. And some of the players commentary was, oh, well, we were, we're a better team, but we just didn't play so well today. Mm -hmm. And so I jumped to the question of, well, which is easier to say we're a better team or to win the game. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's so easy for us to say, oh, well, we were the better team. (laughs) For sure. Uh, But so how do we show our faith through action and what we do? And I think even in yesterday's story outside of Jesus himself turning to the man to say, get up and walk, is is that brief line that just kind of slips in there where Jesus looks at these four men that carry their friend to say Jesus saw their faith and not meaning he saw what was inside of them, but what was outworking, what was presented forth. So so everybody else could see that faith on display. So it's, yeah. not, it's not just some supernatural ability of Jesus, but everybody could see it if they were looking. Right, absolutely. I mean, that for sure. So that's why, you know, all of our, and I struggled even, and Brent, you and I went back and forth a little bit on Saturday. I struggled with, with titling the message because all of our other encountering the Messiah messages have been about the character mm-hmm. uh, that was being encountered. Yeah. And of course, in this case, you've got the four men, you've got the paralytic, 
you got the scribes, you got the crowd. And so encountering everybody, everybody. (laughs) I I almost called it encountering Capernaum, but he does more inside of Capernaum and other parts. I was like, well, I just won't call it. So I I really encountering a holy house because the house has Uh, a hole in the roof. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little double entendre there. Yeah, I appreciate that. But so that's where a little too late. Man, where were you on Saturday? Faith made known. That's where I yeah. settled. And that's what I really wanted to to bring to to bear. Well, what was really interesting, and I think just you know, luck, God working, whatever you want to say, is that when the youth have been going through James, and we had a really long conversation on Wednesday night about you. You didn't read this verse, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and find it here in James. So in in, in James chapter two is all about this sort of this very thing you're talking about contrast mm-hmm, absolutely. between faith and works. And he kind of goes through and, uh, you know, talks about Abraham was, he was justified by works and Rahab, she was justified by works. And I'm trying to find it here. So at the very top, he says, do you want to be shown you foolish person that faith apart from works is useless? Verse 24, yeah. he says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And I had a student ask me, you know, raise his hand, Ryan, don't we believe in justification by faith alone? Didn't you teach yeah. us that? And I was like, yeah, this is a real problem verse for that, isn't it? But what it came down to was there are two words in that verse that reveal the meaning. And it's the first two words. You see that a person is justified by faith, not by works. It's not that they are justified. It's not you see, comma, yeah. a person is justified. Is no, you can tell, you can see you these, these, uh, external signs indicate a person's justification by faith. Jesus saw their faith. Yeah. And so I loved that point you made when you said, you know, Jesus wasn't using his like spiritual x-ray vision <laughs> to look at the, 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 the contents of their heart. No, he saw them take tangible action to get close to him. And he saw that as an act of faith. Yeah. And so I, I, I really love that point. It really aligned well with something we were talking about in youth. Well, and what I also didn't jump in deeper on when we talk about this whole faith and works, uh, that first verse that I did say, that I did use, it says, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, I didn't emphasize says. Like, it doesn't yeah, say, sure. the, the whole sure. contrast isn't about someone who has faith and someone who has works. It's about someone who says they have faith. And mm. again, Talk is cheap. It's easy to say, oh, I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. but it's hard to be yeah, Christ-like. Like a Christian. To yeah. be yeah, Christian. Especially, you know, in a culture, you know, this has changed, like this idea of cultural Christianity that has dominated American culture since its founding that is seemingly slowly going away. Um, but, you know. It's, or is gone. Or, or gone. Maybe gone. Uh, but, like, you know, you know, when we were growing up, even, uh, you could look at it, the culture, and it's like, okay. Everyone kind of thinks themselves as a Christian. Well, how do you know who really is and who really isn't? Who's just Mm -hmm. showing up to church or says they belong to a church because that's what you're supposed to do? And so uh, I think it's an interesting question to ask, okay, if if, uh, a Christian is going to have these works or these evidences of their faith, well, what should we expect to see? What, What are the works that should be true in every Christian? Um, across the board that we see that are the evidences of faith. What would you say? Well, I mean, I'm going to jump 
right to the fruit of the spirit, right? Yeah. And I think that it is they're very there's going to be some very tangible actions mm-hmm. like showing up to church, helping your neighbor when some uh, tree falls across my driveway, uh, not actually my driveway, but past for those who have been to my house, past the entrance to my driveway. I wasn't blocked in, but my neighbor was, and I call him up and let him know it's there. And I said, hey, I'll meet you out there at seven o'clock in the morning with our chainsaw and let's get this cleared mm-hmm. out. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some doing. Now, there are a lot of non-believers yeah, that would, that have, done would the same have done the same yeah. thing. Yeah, But I think there, there are good works, and I think a work can be good by its strict, just the strictly showing up with a chainsaw to help mm-hmm. cut the tree down. And there are, am I doing that in order? So there's motive that has to be in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's just, so why I do something is important as well as the what that I do. And that's why I said, you know, we don't work to be saved. I think there are a lot of people who work, who are filled with good works today, but their motivation is in order to gain favor with God, mm-hmm. to lend them towards salvation. Whereas we don't work before salvation, we work because of salvation. You had a phrase in the sermon, that was a nice term for it. Do you remember what it was? Uh, the faith alone? Yeah. Yeah, I said that we, uh, salvation is always by faith alone but not faith that is alone. Yeah, because mm-hmm. faith is always accompanied by works. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and then I had the, had the but good works are always associated with salvation. Yeah. It's just about right timing. Yeah. And the, the timing is not before mm-hmm. we're saved, but because we're saved. Well, Hebrews even talks about how our, our works are made righteous through faith, right? Oh, yeah, oh, apart yeah. from faith. That they're they're still Man. still pretty messed up. I was just about to ask, how do you square this conversation about faith and works away with in Isaiah, where he says, you know, we 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 cannot be talking about we cannot become righteous, and our 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 good works are like, you know, he says filthy rags or mm-hmm. something garments, you know, yeah. like how do you square those these two things away? And I think the Hebrews text mm-hmm. does that it's like, yeah. through our faith. Yeah, uh, the works are seen as righteous; they're made righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. So the blood of Jesus actually isn't just forgiving us of our sins. It is making our works righteous before him, making them pleasing before him through yep. faith. Uh, I want to bring this back. You mentioned the fruit of the spirit. Now yep. that we may say that and some people go, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, they might recall a children's song. You know, the fruit of the spirit is not a banana. Right. But it is uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so you have all of these things. Now, I think you make this point though, you know, self-control, for example, that's one of the fruits of the spirit. Well, an unbeliever can have self-control as for well, sure. right? Yeah. And so sometimes it can be tricky. Like, okay, how, how do we know if this is spiritual fruit or, or not? And, and motivation is a part of that. Hard to know our motivation sometimes. I, I think the thing that's most helpful for me to say, okay, every believer is going to have some really, really obvious works. Um, uh, and if, if faith is one of those, uh, potentially like faith is something we're doing. I think the other one is repentance, mm-hmm. right? So uh, a work, if you will, if we can call it that, or an evidence of faith is always going to be that we are living repentant lifestyles. Not that we're not sinning anymore, but that we recognize the things we're doing are, is sin and are fighting it, turning away from it, confessing it, battling it. 
Right. So I think that's a work and an evidence of faith that, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that we should all see in our lives. And if we don't see that, you know, a hatred for sin or repentance, then that should be a clue like, oh, why, why is this not happening in my life? Yeah, I also think, and this this goes along with that, repentance is growth in those fruits of the Spirit, right? Mm, okay. Someone yeah. you know that is not a very self-controlled person, is not a very gentle person, is not a very um, loving person, right? And you see through their lives as you continue to know them, to love them, to walk alongside them. This is one reason why the local church is so beautiful, is mm. that you see people grow in their righteousness as they abide in Christ. Uh, grow in their their good works, and so that's one evidence is like a non believer can 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 uh, have self control, can have uh, love, can can be kind, but usually there's like a there's a ceiling, right? There's a there's a roof. Mm. Uh, some people, mm. you know, they get they got a fuse, right? They, they got a <laughs> short fuse. But it's like Christians, we're we're expecting that our fuse continually gr- grows longer. We're able to be more loving, more kind, more gentle. Let's, it, we're, we're longing for it to be like an upward yeah. trajectory. Now, it's not always, yeah. um, but as you see people grow, I think that's a, a good evidence uh, of, uh, or a good work that we can mm-hmm. see evidence of their faith. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to I wanna bring this up, Nathan. Uh, you, you made this subtle kind of turn from the beginning of your sermon to the end of your sermon. And um, I, I was like, oh, oh, that's so good. I was yeah, like, I know exactly Nathan, I need you to make that really explicitly clear because I want no one to miss this. And uh, everybody else probably got it. I just, you know, uh, but it was really good. So at the beginning, you asked the question, what is easier to do, right? Um, uh, tell Your the paralytic to walk or, or to uh, forgive his sins. Or forgive his sins. And at the end, you explain it. So at the end, you turn it. So, so at, the, at the beginning, you say that the answer is obviously it's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, right? Talk is cheap. Like talk is cheap. But at the end, you turn that. Yeah. Because for you and me, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because we can't say without being a fraud, take up your bed and walk. Yeah. But Jesus has the ability to do both. Yeah, no big deal for Jesus to heal the paralytic. And as omnipotent as Jesus is, we can... Talk about that, but he's got power, dunamis, yeah. dynamite coming out of him. It's like pulling on socks to say, "Hey, <laughs> your sins are forgiven." I mean, like this is easy. Yeah, yeah. Tie, easy tie thing for sh- me. Tying his sandals. Yeah. So, but for Jesus, as God, to maintain congruency in His own character of that righteousness and justice, as well as mercy, knows that he is a forgiving God, but he cannot, sin cannot go without a penalty. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for him to be able to forgive the sin, the sin has to be paid for. And who's going to pay for that? Jesus. And I know we're going to obviously in the next couple of weeks turn and take a closer look at yeah. as we head into our you know, Advent, our, our passion weeks coming up to see Jesus paying the penalty for our sin. And so for Jesus, it, it's not, I don't want to say it's easier or harder, but it certainly cost him a lot more yeah, to forgive yeah. our sins. I mean, I, I, I think you could say that. Like, it, it doesn't cost him really anything to tell the guy to actually get up and walk. Right. But it cost him seemingly everything to forgive him. Mm-hmm. And so while on the one hand, it's easier 
to say your sins are forgiven for Jesus. It's not because he's got to pay his debt. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's like you, you got to flip the perspective, right? From, from the scribes perspective for, for, from their, from their eyes, it's easier for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven because they can't see the evidence, but they can see the evidence of take up your mat and walk. Yeah. But for Jesus who can see, who knows what's coming, right? It's actually harder to say your sins are forgiven. It costs more. Yeah than the the yeah. than the the healing of the the paralytic. So uh it's like just a matter of, you know, who what you can see, what you know. So yeah, I thought that was I thought it was uh, a great kind of turn uh there at the end. And so we were going to talk a little bit about, you know, just kind of the nature of forgiveness. You referenced this in your in your sermon. We talked about, you know, all of our sin is against God. Uh and so we can forgive, you know, one another. I sin against Brent. I asked for Brent's forgiveness. How many he, times? He can forgive me. Uh, either either 490 or 4,900. Yeah. 70 <laughs> times 7 or 7 times 70. Yeah. So, I, think I, that's mean, what, I think that's what Jesus said. Right. So <laughs> I, I did a little bit of looking into like the whole forgiveness about forgiving one another mm-hmm. is, is certainly something the Bible calls Jesus tells us to do. Yeah. And in essence, also just don't keep account, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh it goes back. I, to- I'm being facetious with the 70 times seven. It's like he was just trying to point out like an infinite number, a huge number. Right. And but David also says, even in his sin with Bathsheba, to say Psalm 51 against you and you only yeah, yeah. have I sinned. So in some respect, although we do have an offense against one another and we should be in the practice of making that right, clearly what the scribes are seeing here, they're thinking whatever sin this man has that Jesus is now forgiving. Jesus isn't saying, hey, I forgive you for what you, yeah. how you've personally offended me as the man walking the earth for, for interrupting my teaching here coming through the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and because he does, because it's plural, your yeah. sins, sins, not like this offense of interruption mm-hmm. is forgiven. You know, pardon the interruption. I forgive you, uh, <laughs> but it is that he's forgiving all of his sins. And they yeah. certainly saw in mind, he's forgiving all the sins uh, against God and who can forgive sins, but God, God alone. alone. It, I, go ahead. Well, I was say it's all, it's a reminder. We talk about the nature of forgiveness. It's a reminder to us of how forgiveness actually works, right? So, um, I can't just say, "Oh, I forgive you," right? Forgiveness is me taking uh, the when you wrong me. There's a, yeah. a debt incurred between us, right? Mm. So if you if you hit my car with your car, there's a debt that has to be paid, right? Either you can pay to get my car fixed, or I can forgive you, which means I will own the debt. I'll pay the debt myself and get my car fixed and not put that burden on you. That's forgiveness. Well, in the same way, if you hurt hurt me somehow, you say something bad to me, you know, you do something to me um, that's wrong. Well, now there is a debt incurred, right? And either mm-hmm. either you can pay it. Pay, you know, which is me taking it out on you, right? I come punch you in the face or I talk bad about you or I get mad at you or whatever. I can either make you pay get that. even. But to forgive you is to say, I will take the hurt that I want to put on you and I will bear it in my own soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I won't retaliate, but I will bear that debt in myself. Uh, and it's going to hurt for a while. Uh, but so that forgiveness is me continually bearing that debt because that's exactly what Jesus is doing. 
He's taking a debt you owe him. Yeah. Uh, and he's bearing the weight of the debt of his own wrath and justice and anger on himself, bearing the debt in order to forgive you. Right. right. And so it's the same thing for us. And so I think it's a helpful thing to remember because forgiveness isn't cheap. It, nope. Even for us, when we mm-hmm. forgive one another, it, mm-hmm. it costs us something. Um, and that's how it works. So. Yeah. It's like, I think it was like, I'll forgive you, but you know, X, Y, or Z, not forgiveness, mm-hmm. right. To, to demand some sort of payment, to demand some sort of response, to demand some sort of, you know, uh, repay, I don't know, you know, to demand yeah. something yeah. is not true forgiveness. Cause, cause you're right. The forgiveness is, is the absorption or, or the release of the hurt mm-hmm. that has been incurred on you. And so that is like super difficult. I mean, even just in the, the tiniest things. Like when people say stuff to you, they, didn't, they don't even mean it to be hurtful. Yeah. Oh. But you interpret it as hurtful. And it's like, it's like you can just, you just have to, to, to walk in forgiveness. You just have to, you have to bear it. Sift through that hurt. Yeah. Uh, and instead of, you know, taking a small, you know, jab, you know, mm-hmm. back at the person, which yeah. is usually what we do. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. So, Anything else we have on the forgiveness of sin or on works and righteousness? We we've got a Q and A, right? Yeah, we've got one, we got one question this week, and shooey, <laughs> it's a doozy. So uh, here we go. Someone has written in, and here's their question: In Mark two eight, Jesus is aware of the internal thoughts of the Pharisees and the scribes, so he can see, he can read their minds essentially. And this person asks, "Can you help me understand the omniscience?" of the incarnate Jesus. And I will say that this isn't an isolated event either. Jesus oh, yeah. throughout the gospels, there are a number of other times that he's aware of the internal dialogue going on. Real, real and, quick, before you go too farther, just, just in case our listeners don't know, let's define omniscience. Ooh. Um, uh, omni. All. Knowing all. Knowing he's, all. He's all knowing. All knowing. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus, he knows everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I mean, even in my Bible study class yesterday morning, we're talking about the woman at the well, and Jesus says, call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you say correctly, because you've had five husbands. And she says, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. I mean, in the sense that Jesus knows things about her. That Mm -hmm. he he wouldn't know otherwise. Correct. Yeah. And even uh, we think as we're heading into our Passion Weeks, uh, he foretells that Judas will betray him. Yeah. Yeah. He and foretells. He's been, he's been foretelling the cross, you know, for a long time. Yeah, Correct. He foretells, he foretells Peter. Peter's yeah. denial. So there are clearly things that Jesus has awareness and knowledge of that are future or previously unseen to him. And, and I think we would go so far as to say, I mean, I don't think I know. It's not some things. It's everything. Like, he he is omni omniscient. He knows everything. There is no amount of knowledge. There's no nothing secret to him that yeah, he doesn't. Not one single piece of knowledge that he does not know. Maybe Nathan. Nathan uh, gave us Nathan's a look. Got this look on his face, and I know yes. where I know where he's Let's going. Let's argue, Nathan. I think Come on. I think it's in Matthew 26, but where uh, Jesus gives a nice little. Telling of <laughs> nice what is to come. Okay, he he starts to speak about the future things and how the end of the world will come mm-hmm. about in such a way, and he concludes with the Father alone knows the time that all of this is going to happen, and 
that nobody else knows. And he does say, including the son. We did look it up earlier. We did. And, and, and there's a footnote, and some manuscripts don't include the son. Uh, and so, so but let, let's, for the sake of argument, say that that's the case, that, that Jesus does not know the hour of his own return um, to, to come and set the world right. Um, maybe somehow in his divine, sovereign control mm-hmm. and power, he has just, hey, hey, Father, don't, don't tell me that, right? Somehow he doesn't know, or he's just segregating off the memory. I don't know how that works. Compartmentalizing. Right? Um, uh, but I think um, we would say that Jesus, when he becomes incarnate, when he becomes human, um, he is fully God and fully man. And so I'm going to throw another wild wrinkle into this. And so uh, not only is he omniscient and that he knows everything, well, there's a tension, right? Because the Bible says he grows in wisdom and stature. Right. And so somehow there's this weird mystery that as Jesus is a kid and he's growing up, he's learning how to walk. He's learning how to talk. He's learning all these things. Yet he knows every name of everyone who would ever exist. So there's a tension. Like these some things are kind of somehow true simultaneously. Um, I can't explain that. Just the Bible presents that tension. And I'm just going to live in it. Um, and, and, and so not only that, but he's also omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at the same time. God is omnipresent. And so Jesus doesn't cease to be God. And so even though he's incarnate, he's taken on flesh. Somehow he is also everywhere at the same time. Um, and, and so he is fully God, though contained in this body, but not fully in this body. I don't know. Nathan's giving me a look. What you got? I mean, what do you do with Philippians 2, uh, the kind of emptying himself? So what is he? Ooh, I got this one. Ooh, what is he setting aside in becoming incarnate? Have, do you remember when you're in about the fifth grade and you start to learn about negative numbers and you start to learn about addition by subtraction? So you have 10 and you add negative four, you have six. And so what I would say is that Jesus is emptying himself, but it's actually a subtraction by addition. It's the reverse. He does not empty himself. (laughs) Nathan's gone mind blown. (laughs) He actually takes on human flesh, right? Which which is a, a it's something he didn't have before. Yes, it's a lowering of himself, a humbling of himself, a condescension, right? And so he doesn't. It's not like he empties himself of his. Um, He's not purging divinity, right? Yeah, of his of his omnipresence, of his omniscience, of his uh, uh, omnipotence, right? Uh, because I, I think that's really dangerous to think that. Because what if he then, if he could empty himself of those characteristics, then could he empty himself of his goodness or of his grace? Or of his kindness, right? Or of his, you know, insert unchangeability, whatever that's called, is his inability to change, his immutability. Yeah, thank you. So, and and I would say no, right? He's God is immutable; he cannot change. Therefore, he cannot not be omniscient. He cannot not be omnipresent. He cannot not be omnipotent. Are your your heads hurting yet, guys out there? Mine is. Mine is. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hard thing, right? Like there is obviously tension, like how he can be all knowing and so yet grow in knowledge and be everywhere, but yet be one spot. Even even think about this right now, though, real quick. Jesus is still physical, right? He's a he's not only resurrected, he is ascended into heaven, not spiritually but physically. His physical body is at the Father's side. 
But yeah, we would say Jesus is with us. He's all around us. He's everywhere, right? And so even right now, he's both physical and omnipresent. All right, let me let me mix this up. On okay, you. okay. We can edit because this might get long. <laughs> but Jesus being omnipotent has to exercise, like he's not always using all of his power. That's true. Sure. Is it possible that Jesus can be omniscient and not always exercise? Like he's not tapping into it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, for instance, you know what the capital of Georgia is, but that's not like always top of mind for you. Is it Savannah? Man, I really want to ask. Was it's is Atlanta. It oh, okay. <laughs> but you know what two plus two know what two plus two is. But you, Brent, you want to take a shot on that one? Two plus. Uh, <laughs> but it's not always top of mind. It's not like all information and all knowledge is constantly crowding your mind. So could it be that Jesus has the capability? He mm-hmm. he could tap into all knowledge but isn't always exercising. It's like a well he can go to, just not always at the well. Right. Yeah. I mean, what potentially, and, I mean, and potentially then omni, his the, omnipresence. Yeah. Like he has the capability to be everywhere yeah. at any given moment, but is not exercising. Which I think I just hit my mic, which I think is maybe a fair argument because you think of like God does uh, physically uh, dwell in unique places even before the incarnation. Right? You think about the the, the tabernacle temple. and the yeah. temple. Like God is dwelling, his 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 he's living. It's like something called temple, it's, you know, the house of the Lord. Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory is in the Holy of Holies, right? In a way that it's different everywhere else. Everywhere else. Right. And so I I, I think I could that does could he live that? in the hearts of all who have not professed faith? Yeah, you know, like live is in- he in Hell. Yeah, he's in hell. Absolutely. Right. Um, but, you know, we talk about hell as the absence of God, right? But hell is God's place, right? Like he made it, he, he rules over it. Uh, and so he's there, uh, but he has made himself in a such a way there that you don't feel his presence. You're disconnected from it. Like in Romans, opposite of Romans 1, right? Where they, the, 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 his invisible, invisible attributes made known through creation, mm-hmm. through the hearts of men. Yeah, yeah. Not the case in hell. Yeah, I yeah. could buy that. Yeah. You said God was in hell. And I was like, is this blasphemy? <laughs> I didn't know, man. But I, but I think that just because, not being tortured, like he's not being tortured, but yet. just because God is all these omnis mm-hmm. does not necessarily mean he's exercising. The sun. We're particularly saying the sun, the here, sun right? for sure. The Jesus, the sun. Um, so, so what we're maybe saying right now is he, he has the well, he can tap into it anytime he wants to. He can be both physical and anywhere he wants. He can both learn and know everything. And there is a, a mystery and a tension, and yeah. we're not going to reconcile it, or, or, but we're going to affirm both. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when Jesus is walking along and this woman with the issue of blood touches him, and he says... T- not him. His garment his, his, touches his shirt. Touches his... Yes. And he his feels, the, pow- he feels <laughs> the power that I'm Go out part of that omnipotence yeah, yeah, exercise. Yeah, yeah. Who t- uh, he says, who touched who, me? Who touched me? Like... Do you think he didn't know? He's like, there's people all around touching him because he's in the middle of a crowd. Um, but yeah, potentially, he, I believe so. I think it's in the text, isn't it? That a bunch of people are touching. Yeah, like him? he's walking through a crowd, oh. so there's like oh, it, it, doesn't a bunch of, it doesn't through, say a bunch of people. It doesn't say a bunch of people through a crowd. Yeah. It does not say. I was just thinking about the chosen. <laughs> not everyone's touching him. Just the girl touches him. Oh, the yeah. Chosen. Yeah. So he turns and says, 
who touched me, do you think he didn't know? Maybe, right, right. maybe he didn't tap yeah. the well. Same, same in the garden, right? When, when, when Adam and Eve sin and they're hiding and God shows up and he's like, where are you? Right. Like he knows where they are. Right. Right. Um, Rhetorical questions. Yeah. Am- hmm. Anthropomorphic language, Ooh, if you will. Thank you. Hmm. I that's heard a, that last week. That's a 50 cent word right there. <laughs> maybe a dollar. Maybe a whole dollar word. That's so funny. So, yeah, I think, I think on, on things like that, that we have to hold intention. It's like we have to maintain, you know, that. Oh, oh go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was reading the, rereading the question to make sure we answered it and I had this thought. Um, sometimes when Jesus is encountering the Pharisees, the, the text says, and him perceiving in their heart or knowing their hearts. Yeah. Isn't, doesn't it say it that? Says in this perceived text? In he this perceived text. It does. in he their perceived hearts. in his heart. Yeah. He so, perceived in his spirit. Yeah. In a sense, what was in their hearts. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so whereas on the one hand you're saying, Hey, he could see their faith in action, right? Like, just like everybody else could, they're cutting a hole in the roof. I see their faith on another sense. Jesus knows like the, the, the intentions and the thoughts of men and is able to go, I know you're asking me this question, Pharisee, but I actually know what you're really getting at. And so I'm going to, yeah, this is maybe like too deep of a cut, but this is what it's <laughs> too deep at this point. Like, well, not theological cut, okay. pop culture cut. Uh, like Neo, when he the be- Matrix, when he becomes like the one in yeah. the Matrix, and he can like see the code. Yeah, he's not always doing that, right? But he can still, you know, he can still exist in the Matrix. <laughs> Can't believe I'm talking about this. Exist in the Matrix as just you know a person in the Matrix, but you know he can stop the bullets and he can you know yeah. he can you know you know, do a bunch of Kung Fu and, uh, Ryan was just karate chopping. I was karate chopping everywhere. And, but he doesn't always have to have to be doing those things, but he can just like, you know, see the, you know, the numbers that are flashing the code that's putting the matrix together. And so you think that, you know, Jesus could probably, if he wanted to see down to like the most subatomic level physically. And so he could see spiritually, the the quantum emotionally, he could see down to Ant-Man and yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we answered the question at all. I'm gonna be <laughs> well, honest. I th- I'm gonna say so. It's it's Monday morning. It's Monday today, and uh, time change being yesterday. Mm-hmm. Many people uh, that may have a commute to work this morning got up when it was still dark. Yeah, uh, because uh, but I was just thinking how in Mark chapter one, shortly before we get to the story, Mark chapter two talks about Jesus getting up while it's still dark to go somewhere desolate to mm-hmm. pray. And uh, so Jesus has a, a way, I think, where he's trying to seek some solitude and some quiet and away from the busyness of the yeah. world. But in as he is perceiving in this crowd the thoughts of the scribes, we don't have a framework because we're not God mm-hmm. in how he processes things. Right. But just could you imagine being in that room and all of the thoughts of all the people in there going through your mind at the same time? Yeah. Like what that noise looks like. But somehow, I don't know that I think Jesus can be capable to be aware of all the thoughts of anyone at any time, mm-hmm. but not necessarily that he's Active. tapping into that. Oh, and I just thought about this. Think of the Mount, Mount of Transfiguration, right? Jesus takes these three disciples up on top of the mountain and it's like he almost like opens himself up and exposes like, here's what I really look like. Here's who I really am. And here's my glory. And they're like all bowing down like, oh my gosh. But he's not walking around like that all the time. He's veiled himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that kind of 
same idea there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's a, that's a really good question. Really, um, lots, lots to read and write and, uh, uh, think about when it comes to the, uh, here's, here's a good, here's another dollar word, the hypostatic union, yep. the, the union of Christ's divinity and humanity. Uh, or as one student put it this week at our conference, 100% man, 100% God, 200%. That's, that's what he said. <laughs> so, all right. Well, anything else uh, to discuss from this week? I think we've had a great conversation, lots to chew on, lots to think about. I think we're done. Well, Nathan, thanks for being here. Thanks for the word. Yeah, hey, man. Thanks Sunday. for taking time out of your day to come yeah. up here. I'm happy to do this. This has been fun. Well, all right. Thank you for joining us for the recap this week. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For more information, you can go to myfellowship.church. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email staff at myfellowship.church or fill out a question on our church app under the This Week's Sermon tab. Next week, we'll begin to look at the encounters with the Messiah as he walks the road to the cross. We hope you'll join us then. Be blessed. Be blessed.